Hey, hey, one of the great parts of the Torah, specifically the book of Genesis, is the honesty, is the kind of candid uh, reporting of the episodes between our patriarchs and our matriarchs. If we really want to find out how to live our lives, how to be good family members, how to be good sons, daughters, husbands, wives, children, siblings, then we should study these great parshiot, these great stories, because they're very real. And they let us in on not only the difficulties and struggles that any parent, child, sibling goes through, but how to deal with them from a Torah perspective. One of those issues is infertility, which is a, a theme that runs throughout all of our matriarchs. Now, in this week's parsha, we know that Rachel, who was Jacob's beloved, was unable to have children. And what sort of added insult to injury was that her sister Leah, who was also married to Jacob, don't recommend that by the way, but that was the situation. She was knocking them out one after the next. And the Torah tells us, Rachel sees that she's unable to have children. She's unable to give Jacob children. She gets jealous about her sister, and she says, She says to Jacob, Give me children. And if not, I'm dead. Right? As a woman in total desperation, she's at her wit's end. I don't know what to do. This goes to the very definition of her womanhood, that she can't have children. So she cries out to Yaakov and she says, give me children, I'm finished. Now, what would you think Jacob's response would be? Probably like a big hug. This must, this must be so difficult. Not only on being unable to have children yourself, but watching your sister having child after child We'll get through this together. Right? Jacob is this great tzaddik, is this great righteous person. What does Yaakov answer? Vayichar af Yaakov. Torah says that Jacob became angry, Barachel, in Rachel. Batomer, and he says, Hatachat elukim, asher mana mimech pribaten. Hatachat elukim anochi says, Am I instead of God, who has withheld the fruit of your womb? It's not my fault. What are you blaming me for? Now, can you imagine what kind of response is this from Jacob, who's supposed to be this great, great, righteous patriarch of ours? Where's the hug? Where's the love? I'm, I'm with you. This must be so difficult. What does he say? It says he gets angry. Why is he getting angry? She's upset. Number two, she, he then says, is it my fault? It's not my fault we're not having children. I'm not God. So it's difficult to understand. So I want to share with you what I shared on Shabbat. Uh, which is one or two approaches. The Ramban and the Radak, two great commentators on the Torah, tells us tell us that what Jacob was upset about was that it appeared as though Rachel misunderstood the power of the prayers of a tzaddik, of a righteous person, that they can't just snap their fingers and get what they want. And what was really upsetting uh, Rachel, excuse me, it was really upsetting, upsetting Yaakov, was that he was davening for her. She was assuming he probably wasn't praying for her or he wasn't praying hard enough. He should have put on sackcloth and ashes, says the Ramban, says Nachmanis, and just stormed the heavens until he got what he wanted. But she didn't understand that's not the way it works. And that's what the Radak says also, that, that she failed to understand the relationship between Atzadik, who's a very high-level human being, but nonetheless a human being. Right? I mentioned this on Shabbat, that when my mother of blessed memory was very ill, so I went to the late and great Lubavitch Rebbe, 
for a blessing for her. And she went herself. We got to meet him. That was amazing. And we brought in Rav Nevinsal, one of the other great rabbis of our generation, who also gave her brachot. But just because somebody gives you a blessing doesn't mean, right, we can just snap our fingers. And, and the, the reason that, she became, that he became angry was that she was attributing to Jacob powers he did not have. And bordering on, I don't want to say heresy, but like, but you know, we, we don't, we can't simply change God's mind, even if you're a great tzaddik like Jacob. The other answer I want to tell you is much more progressive, and that is by the Akirat Yitzchak. Rabbi Isaac Aram, who lived in the 1400s, listen to what he said. The reason Jacob got angry with Rachel, he suggested, is because there are actually two points to a woman's existence, he says, alluded to in the two names that the Torah gives for a woman. What are the two names the Torah gives for a woman? Isha and Chava. Isha is from the word Ish, just like a woman was taken from a man, the word Isha comes from the word Ish, which means refers to a man. And therefore, a woman has the same goals and aspirations and purpose and mission in life as any man, which is to advance oneself, says the Akedat Yitzchak, intellectually, morally, and spiritually. And a woman has a second purpose to her existence, and that's Chava, the second name given to a woman, which means Aim Kolchai, the mother of all living the ability for a woman to reproduce, to bring life into this world. Only a woman can do this. And the Akedat Yitzchak says that there are two purposes to, to a woman's existence. The same as a man, Isha, from the word Ish. Just like a man is supposed to advance himself intellectually, spiritually, morally, a woman should do the same thing. And number two, she can also bring life into this world. And... Yaakov suggests that Yitzchak was getting angry with Rachel because by saying, give me children or I'm dead, she was denying the Isha component to her personality. She was saying, I and women in general only have one purpose and that is to have children. And if I can't have children, then I'm finished. There's nothing left to me. And that's what angered Jacob because having children is an incredibly important part of a woman's purpose and existence, and what a blessing and privilege to be able to partner with God to actually create. But that's not her whole point to existence. And I wanted to apply this same concept to marriage as well, because as important as it is to have children and to be married, and we make a big deal about getting married, bearing children and getting married does not completely define the purpose, just like it doesn't completely define the purpose of womanhood. There's another dimension, which is the same as a man. And applying this to marriage, and just like having children is paramount, marriage, of course, is a vital institution, one of the pillars of, uh, of Judaism. But getting married is not the only value in Judaism, and that's why I always share this with all of my single friends and students, that during the years that we're trying to get married, it's imperative that we also continue to pursue other values, that are dear to us and that are important, to continue to have our friends and pursue our careers and to grow ourselves spiritually. Dating and courtship require serious time allocation, but that doesn't mean that everything else is put on hold. And in fact, I would argue that we should be diving into some of those other aspects of our existence, specifically spiritual growth during this period of time for two reasons. Number one, 
learning Torah, coming to classes can give us clarity in terms of what we're looking for in a potential spouse. And what is the best way for me to go about dating? Am I writing people off too quickly? Am I giving them enough of a chance? Or am I wasting my time and staying in relationships for too long? Am I dating the wrong women, the wrong men? Questions like this do not have simple black and white answers in the Torah, but the Torah through these stories gives us guidance, spiritual guidance, and can give us some clarity on what is often a very challenging and confusing part of life. So if there's any time, you know, I just had a friend, uh, he said to me, you know, he used to come around to MGE and he hasn't come in a while. And he says, you know, Rabbi, when I get married, then I'll do the Shabbos thing. I'll start keeping kosher then because, you know, you know, the whole Torah and mitzvahs, it's really for the family. And I said to him, first of all, it's not simply for the family. It's for all aspects of our existence. Before we have a family or even after 120, somebody, God forbid, loses their spouse, that Torah keeps them going. But even more important, if you really want to have the right kind of family, it's so important that we double up our efforts during our single years to get that kind of clarity and spiritual guidance. Preparing for marriage requires us to know the kind of values we're looking for. And if we only have a value to be observant, to be Jewish once we're married, then who we're going to be looking for right now? Obviously, who we are now is the kinds of people we're going to be attracted to and will be attracted to us. So I said to my friend, this is the most important time in your life to grow religiously. And number two, and I can't explain this, I can't really put this into the words, but somehow leading a life of Torah and mitzvot and throwing ourselves into more learning of Torah, it creates a certain kind of self-confidence and self-esteem. When you're more knowledgeable, you're more committed in the ways of your tradition. I just remember this from my gap year in Israel when I was 18. It built me up spending a year in Israel learning. I came back, I felt like another person. What was it? We, you know, we build ourselves up so much in terms of our external. This is it. I think this is it. Just hit me. We spend so much time in graduate school or wherever we're going to college and, and in our jobs, building ourselves up externally, right? Accomplishing things. Just being that person in the office, in the workplace, or maybe for other people as well. But how much time are we spending building ourselves up from within? And that's what Torah study and mitzvot really help us to accomplish. They build us up from within. They build our personalities and therefore create a certain confidence that I find also is necessary when you're dating. Dating is like, it's like looking for a job. You got to be able to just go for it, sell yourself a little without being too much of a salesperson, at least initially until a chemistry and a relationship is developed. And that takes some ego. It takes some confidence. It's hard calling someone up who you like and being turned down or going out on a few dates and then, you know, you're a nice guy, but I'm not interested in you. This happens all the time. What's going to give us the confidence to be able to, to plow forward to find our soulmates? And I think that Torah and mitzvot, without sounding overly simplistic, helps, gives us clarity on the issues that we need. And I'll just tell you one last story. Someone else who was coming to MGE for quite a while he disappeared. He just stopped showing up. And I called him up and I said, where you been? We miss you. He says, I'm dating someone, Rabbi. I'm seeing someone. I said, that's awesome. That's great. I look forward to meeting her. 
you didn't answer my question. Where you been? And he said, I told you I was seeing somebody. And I realized, you know, in his mind, this was a great, and by the way, I'm super proud of the 377 couples that have met and married at MGE. And I'm thrilled that he met his girlfriend here. But what I'm not thrilled about when I feel he could really be, I'm going to say damaging himself, but he's losing an opportunity to get that clarity, to build that. And just a couple of weeks later, he calls me up and says, you know, my girlfriend and I were having issues. I need a little advice. And of course it was about, is she the right one? Is she not the right one? Which all has to do with who we are and how we build ourselves up. And I thought to myself, maybe he'd have greater clarity navigating that relationship, a better sense of what kind of life he was looking to build. And therefore, if she was the right person, right, if he had spent a little more time learning and having mentors and an ongoing relationship with a teacher that he could talk to for only getting advice from other single friends. And if he felt supported by a community, that's here if things don't go right. Making the, the right decision in a relationship requires moral direction. It necessitates some kind of ethical teachings to help us follow the best path. And that path, that direction, my friends, has been laid out for us, was given to us as a gift over 3,000 years ago. Hashem wants us to use that gift not only when we pray or observe Shabbat, but literally in every facet of our existence, in the way we build our most important relationships and the homes and the families that one day we will have. Let us use that Torah as our greatest guide and inspiration. And in doing so, I truly believe that we'll be able to find the greatest measure of meaning and love and happiness in all of our relationships. Thank you for listening.